Lord, we thank you for the blessing of being able to spend some time in your word now. And we ask that as we open up your word, that we would also open up ourselves to the things that you want to say to us today. And that by the brooding of your spirit over this place, that you would be at work for your glory and for the extension of your kingdom. Amen. Now, there are very, various aspects to this story that's been told from time to time. A man was about to die, and so he called three of his friends in to see him before he died, and he gave each of them $50,000, with the instructions that after his coffin was lowered into the grave, they were to toss the money into the open grave. Each of his friends vowed to follow his wishes. Within a short space of time, the man died. And true to their word, all three of his friends arrived at the open grave. And after the coffin was lowered into the grave, they stood there and one by one prepared to drop the money into the grave. The first one paused, holding the money in his hands and then allowed it to gently tumble into the grave. The second man also paused and then dropped his money into the grave. Somber eyes now turned to the third gentleman, the third of his friends, who pulled out a check and dropped that into the grave. If you need some explanation about that, I'm happy to talk about that later. When it comes to giving money and giving and how we go about that, um, how do we respond? How do we handle the, the whole aspect of giving. As Australians, we generally tend to do okay when it comes to giving. Now, according to a report by Swinburne University, some 80.8% of adult Australians, that's roughly about 14.9 million of us, contributed financially to charities and non-for-profit organisations in 2015-2016. So that worked out to be about $12.5 billion of total giving, that were, and that went up from about $4.7 billion a decade ago. The average donation given by each of these people would have amounted to around $764. Those who also volunteered donated almost twice as much on average as the givers who didn't volunteer. The difference was about $1,000 compared to $500. As I was doing some more research during the week, according to a 2017 report just released this month from Charities Aid Foundation, on a global scale, Australian, Australia is rated sixth in the charitable giving um, scale of uh, all these different countries. I think there was over 100 different countries rated. Our Kiwi neighbours, our friends across the ditch, came in fourth. And the scale was made up of donating of money, helping of strangers and volunteering of time. Indonesia came in second and Myanmar topped the list, both in 2016, but also over the last five years they averaged it out and Myanmar came in at the top of the list over that period of time. When it comes to giving, we can shrink, shrink back from giving and supporting church or other charities, while others who do give, 
we can give sometimes with different motives, different reasons for the way we give. But there's nothing new in that. 2,000 years ago, the world was very different. But the attitudes to giving were often the same. If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to Matthew, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, as we continue to look through our series of living values. And as we travel back in time, it's helpful for us to understand the, the structure of society that we're immersing ourselves into, as it were, as we read God's Word. In Jesus' day, wealth and health were considered signs of God's blessing. Conversely so, poverty and sickness were considered signs of God's judgment. And that was despite the Old Testament story of Job and how that should challenge these assumptions. Even for Jesus' disciples, as they were wandering around and following Jesus, in John chapter 9, they asked the question, was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sin or the sins of his parents? For those who were poor, sick, or lived with disability, there was no social security system in place. But there was a cultural support system that was relied on. At the foundation of the nation of Israel, Yahweh God wanted to establish Israel as a nation that cared about others and those that were doing it tough, including foreigners and those who sought to come under the covering of the nation of Israel. In Deuteronomy chapter 14 verses 28 and following, we read these words and they're on the screen. At the end of every third year, bring the entire tithe of that year's harvest and store it in the nearest town. Give it to the Levites, who will receive no allotment of land among you, as well as to the foreigners who live among you, the orphans and the widows in your towns, so that they can eat and be satisfied. Then the Lord your God will bless you in all your work. In the following chapter in Deuteronomy, in chapter 15, verses 10 and 11, we read these words. Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. There will always be some in the land who are poor. That's why I'm commanding you to share freely with the poor and with other Israelites in need. But unfortunately, over the years, once again, we discovered that reflecting the heart and the priorities of God became twisted by people who gave. They heartlessly gave. Isaiah spoke of these people in Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13. And so the Lord says, these people say they are mine. They honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. And so Jesus, out of a desire to re-establish living values for his followers, he sought to reveal, to expose and to challenge such heartless giving. And so in Matthew chapter 6, we read these words. And if you've got your Bibles, Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. Watch out! Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do it as the hypocrites do. 
blowing trumpets in the synagogue and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Performing acts of mercy or doing kindness, almsgiving as it were, was one of the three pillars of Judaism. The second was prayer and the third was fasting. And these three pillars of Judaism were meticulously followed by the religious leaders. But there is a fine line between being a leader for others to follow and doing things just for show, you know, for influence. I'm not sure if you picture it as I do. The warmth of the sun bathing the audience as they sat on the side of the hill listening to Jesus... Then there were others on the fringe of the crowd that were not so much attracted to Jesus to listen and to learn, but to critique and to judge. And dressed in their finery with them setting themselves apart from the commoner, they watched the crowds and listened to Jesus. But rather than calling the religious leaders out by name, well, that comes later in Jesus' ministry, Jesus is content to subvertly challenge them. Not only does Jesus challenge the doer, but he also challenges the perceptions of the observer. Watch out! Be careful, Jesus declares as he starts to speak. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogue and the streets to call attention to the acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will get. What? Jesus' statement challenges the cultural norms of the day. People believed, according to Proverbs 19, verse 17, that if you help the poor, you're lending to the Lord and He will repay you. Of course, He's going to do good things. Of course, you're going to get rewarded. Of course, you're going to be blessed. So, is God going back on His promises? No. What Jesus is saying is that you can choose to either seek the praise of people or the praise of God, not both. Now, there is no clear understanding of what blowing of trumpets was meant um, in what what Jesus was saying. It may mean that at the various feasts, and when the various feasts were being announced and declared that they were starting, that there was the blowing of trumpets on those occasions, and people would come and put money into chests um, to give to those that were doing it tough. Or it could refer to the six money chests, with trumpet-shaped funnels on top that were placed in the temple specifically to collect these donations. And you can imagine the coins rattling through the trumpets as they fell down into the boxes. Religious leaders wanted to be seen by the masses as they gave their money. But rather than giving with generosity of heart, their giving was largely heartless 
more interested in what others thought of them than the, and the influence that they gained and displaying their power through their giving. In Jesus' mind, these people are hypocrites. It's interesting to note that the Greek word for hypocrites means actors. In Jesus' day, theatre was forbidden. And so it was interesting that Jesus would use such a word in a culture that acting was not a normal part of life. But he wanted to draw attention, significant attention, to these actors, these hypocrites. But that didn't stop these religious leaders from putting on a pretentious show, calling attention, calling for the applause of the people. And Jesus was prepared to draw attention to them, but it was to their hypocrisy. Not only would these religious leaders have felt uncomfortable by Jesus' words, but the wider audience would have also been shocked by Jesus' pronouncement. People of Israel, don't be impressed by what these people are doing, the actions of these religious leaders showing off to you. Don't let their actions sway you or influence you. There is no real generosity of heart here to be found in them. So how should people give? Well, Jesus goes on to say, but when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private and your Father who sees everything will reward you. It's interesting to note that it's a when, not an if. There was a cultural understanding that to help the poor uh, was uh, an important aspect of community, to help it make it better, to help make the community brighter. People needed to work together to support one another. This wasn't some judgmental expectation, but a relational encouragement. Because we care about others, because we want to help people, then they understood the importance of making and taking a personal responsibility to give, to support and to care for others. Jesus also called people to give out of a response to the needs, not out of a desire to get noticed. The focus is on others, not on the giver. So much so that Jesus says that giving to others should be as if the giver doesn't even notice themselves that they're doing it. The giver's left hand is not aware of what the right hand is doing. Then, when the person exhibits a generosity of heart that comes from deep within, within a person's heart bubbling out, it draws God's attention and God is well pleased. Can you imagine that? God surveying all the earth, everything that's going on. And God looks across the earth and he sees the heart of a giver. And and it's almost as if the gaze of God is drawn to that person as he delights with a generous-hearted giver. And he wants to bless and reward those people. For us today... We can easily give with the wrong motives. In my time as a pastor, as a minister, I have seen some interesting things when it comes to giving. I had one person who thought that giving was all about influence and the more they gave, the more influence in the decisions of the church they should have. 
But it doesn't have to just focus on finances. People who give of their time or abilities can fall into the trap when they volunteer. They can do it on half-hearted terms, holding the church to ransom, as it were. Unless I do it my way, unless it's done to the way I like it, then I'm not going to do it. I'll quit. Others have confused the opportunity to lead with a desire to perform, leaving those trying to follow confused and devalued. But I have also seen people give with such generosity, sacrificially, confidentially giving. So when we consider the living values of having generosity of heart, what stands out from Matthew chapter 6, verses 3 and 4? Well, for me, maybe for you as well, generosity of heart should be a normal part of life. It should not be an if, if we choose to give. But giving of ourselves to help others should be a when, a natural rhythm of life, a living value. Generosity of heart is not half-hearted or hard-hearted. A generous heart is responsive, it's soft, it's supple, it's sensitive to the needs of others. Generosity of heart should not be reluctant, but a natural part of living as a follower of Jesus, so natural a living value that we don't even notice when we give of ourselves to others. Generosity of heart is not showy, it's prepared to go unnoticed. Generosity of heart reflects God's heart. When we are generous of heart, living out this value, our heart resonates. It's almost as if it beats in time with the heart of God. Generosity of heart is also rewarding. God promises that. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private and your Father who sees all will reward you. And may God richly reward you as you express this living value of a generosity of heart. We're going to take some time to reflect. Reflect on what we've heard today, the service today. And we have an opportunity also to respond a few thoughts to encourage our reflection. How have I experienced God's generosity of heart in my life? On those response cards that you have, I'd encourage you to pull those out and perhaps you might choose to respond by writing a prayer of thanks to God on that response card. Or are there areas where I can invite God to change my heart, to be more generous to others? You might want to write a response, a prayer on the response card to that. Has giving of my financial offering become routine? We specifically put our giving of our offering at the end of the service so that we could reflect upon it, to think about it. And has it just become mundane routine? Invite God to revive this act of worship. Perhaps write a prayer to associate with your offering that you might give today. The response cards, the pencils, we'd encourage you to put those in the the, um, bowls as they come around. But right now, we're going to have some music played. And as that music's played, I'd invite you to respond to what God is saying to you today. And then 
we'll come back together, we will um, sing our final song, and as we stand to sing, those offering um, bowls will be passed around, and those response cards and pens or pencils can be collected. God bless you.